Good morning. I'm going to go live a few minutes early today just because I'm getting antsy and want to just do this. I hate reporting news of this kind, but it seems to be the only kind of news I report anymore. <laughs> but uh, it is January 2nd, in the year of our Lord, 2024. And yesterday, Francis, in his infinite mercy and wisdom, gave an address, as he always does, on major feast days, which is fine. But this one gave some hope to, well... Hold on. There it is. <laughs> you gave some hope to this organization right here. <laughs> this is the uh, Women's Ordination Conference. They're a lovely group of people. Very nice. Um, very nice people. I will have nothing negative to say about them. Just take a look, though, at some of the fine people here involved who are the, like, the poster people for the Ordinations Conference for this. And you will see that they're a fine group of people. Francis decided to uh, give them a great sign of hope yesterday when he gave his address for the feast of uh, the on the new calendar, the feast of the Holy Mother of God. Um, the 1962 liturgical calendar is just considered an octave day in uh, the or it's just the octave day in the octave of uh, Christmas. And on the 19 pre 1954 calendar, it's a different feast day entirely. But he gave one a typical homily that I'm going to go over the full thing with you here in a moment because it's actually the way modernist homilies often work. When they're trying to teach something that is erroneous, they'll couch it in wonderful sounding things. And this one is full of it. There's two items in here that are just spectacular. So we're going to go over it. No, Sonny, he is no Sonny Jim. He is completely he is completely responsible for everything he's doing. He's been like this since day one. So let's go right into his his sermon, his homily for the uh, Holy Mass on the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, on the 57th World Day of Peace. And I apparently did not share the screen, so let's try that again. We're going to just go over this here. Given in St. Peter's Basilica, Monday, the 1st of January, 2024. A lot of this sounds good. I will acknowledge that a lot of it sounds good, but there's a couple of really glaring items in here. That are that are the opening of Pandora's box. So the first, so let's go. The words of the Apostle Paul illumine the beginning of this new year. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman. See Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. The expression, the fullness of time, is striking. In ancient times, time was measured using vases of water. The passage of time was marked by how long it took for an empty vase to be filled. Hence the meaning of the phrase, fullness of time. Once the vase of history is filled, divine grace spills over. God becomes man, and he does so through a woman, Mary. She is the means chosen by God, the culmination of that long line of individuals and generations that drop by drop prepared for the Lord's coming into the world. The mother then stands at the very heart of the mystery of time. It pleased God to turn history around through her, the woman. With that one word, woman, the scripture brings us back to the beginning, to Genesis, and makes us realize the mother and child mark a new creation a new beginning. Thus, at the beginning of the time of salvation, there is the Holy Mother of God, our Holy Mother. It is fitting then that the year should be should open by invoking her. It is fitting that God's faithful people should acclaim her with joy, as once those bold Christians did in Ephesus, as the Mo Holy Mother of God. For these words, Mother of God, express the joyful certainty that the Lord, a tiny child in his mama's arms, has united himself forever to our humanity, to the point that it is no longer only ours, but his as well. Mother of God, a simple phrase that confesses the Lord's eternal covenant with us. 
mother of God, a dogma of faith, but also a dogma of hope, God and man, and man and God forever, the holy mother of God. So far, so good, right? Sounds great. Doesn't have any complex teaching, but don't always need to have it. So far, this is great stuff. More of this, right? Well, let's keep going. In the fullness of time, the father sent his son, born of a woman. But as St. Paul also speaks of a second sending, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. In the sending of the spirit, the mother also plays a central role. The Holy Spirit comes to rest upon her at the Annunciation. See Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Later at the birth of the church, he descends upon the apostles gathered in prayer with Mary the mother. See Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Mary's receptiveness to the working of the Spirit brought us to the greatest of all gifts. She enabled the Lord of Majesty to become our brother, so that the Spirit can care, cry out in our hearts, Abba, Father. The mother of Mary is the path, the motherhood of Mary is the path leading us to the paternal tenderness of God, the closest, most direct, and easiest of paths. This is God's style, closeness, compassion, and tenderness. Indeed, the mother leads us to the beginning of and heart of faith, which is not a theory or task, but a boundless gift that makes us beloved sons and daughters, tabernacles of the Father's love. It follows that welcoming the mother into our lives is not a matter of devotion, but a requirement of faith. If we want to be Christians, we must be Marians. See a uh, homily given by Paul VI in 1970. That is a being children of Mary. Ready for this? The church needs Mary in order to recover her own feminine face, to resemble more fully the woman, virgin, and mother, who is her model and perfect image. See Lumen Gentium, paragraph 63. To make space for women and to be generative through a pastoral ministry marked by concern and care, patience, and maternal courage. The world, too, needs to look to mothers and to women in order to find peace, to emerge from the spiral of violence and meanness and once more see things with genuinely human eyes and hearts. Every society needs to accept the gift that is a woman, every woman, to respect, defend, and esteem women, and the knowledge that whosoever harms a single one profanes God, who was born of a woman. Let's pause. Let's go back to that first sentence. The church needs Mary in order to recover her own feminine face. Recover from what? To resemble more fully the woman, virgin and mother, who is her model and perfect image, to make space for women and to be generative through a pastoral ministry marked by concern and care, patience and maternal courage. I wasn't the first to jump on this when I saw it. I saw the usual suspects, these very influential English-speaking modernists, jump on that and start crowing about this. They celebrated this. This is the beginning of them dropping the next little bits of their program for us. It was, it's clear that they were not going to wait for the synod on sin to tell us about, you know, to make the James Martin sin normal in the church, to make it acceptable. So what do they do? They gave us these documents that we've been talking about now for almost a month, it feels like. And here's the beginning of the next part. My hat is off to Tim Gordon for this. He predicted all of this quite a while ago. He got a lot of pushback. And the next part here, there's a, there's something else here that he pointed out. On, I saw it on Twitter. I haven't watched if he did a live stream on this yet. I haven't watched it yet. If he has, I will probably after I have to go do a bunch of errands very early this morning. I'll go listen to it while I'm driving. But let's get back to this. 
Just as Mary, the woman, played a decisive role in the fullness of time, she is also decisive in the lives of each of us. Where no one knows better than a mother the stages of growth and the urgent needs of her children. Mary shows us this in yet another beginning, the first sign that Jesus performs at the wedding feast of Cana. Yeah, there she is the one who realizes that the wine has run out and who appeals to Jesus. The needs of her children move her, the mother, to beg Jesus to intervene. At Cana, Jesus says, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Mary knows our needs. She intercedes to make grace overflow in our lives and to guide them to authentic fulfillment. Brothers and sisters, all of us have our shortcomings, our times of loneliness, our inner emptiness that cries out to be filled. Each of us knows this well. Who can fill our emptiness if not Mary, the mother of fullness? Whenever we are tempted to retreat into ourselves, let us run to her. Whenever we are no longer able to untie the knots in our lives. This is a reference to uh, probably the best thing Francis has ever done, which is bring to attention the devotion to Mary, uh, the undoer of knots, which is heavily predominant in South America. But he made it the church more universally aware of it, and that is a good, not a bad thing at all. Let us seek refuge in her. Our times bereft of peace need a mother who can reunite the human family. Let us look to Mary in order to become artisans of unity. That's an interesting term. Let us do so with her maternal creativity and concern for her children, for she unites them and consoles them. She listens to their troubles and she dries their tears. Let us look upon that tender icon of the Virgo Lactans of Montevergini Abney. This is that is how our mother is with. That is how our mother is with. Hmm. How tenderly she looks after us and draws close to us. For she cares for us and remains close to us. Let us entrust this coming year to the mother of God. Let us consecrate our lives to her. Again, that's a good thing. With tender love, she will open our eyes to their fullness. For she will lead us to Jesus, who is himself the fullness of time, of every time, of our own time, of each one of us. Indeed, as was once written, it was not the fullness of time that brought about the sending of the Son of God, but the sending of the Son that brought the fullness of time. See Martin Luther's document published in 1516-1517. He is quoting Martin Luther now in a papal document. The same papal document he talks about now a need for pastoral ministry for them. He closes this by saying, Brothers and sisters, may this year be filled with the consolation of the Lord. May this year be filled with the tender maternal love of Mary, the Holy Mother of God. I now invite all of us together to proclaim three times, Holy Mother of God, Holy Mother of God, Holy Mother of God. Given in Rome, etc., etc. yesterday. So uh, how do you feel about that? Francis quoting Martin Luther <laughs> positively in a document, but also using Our Lady, a feast day of Our Lady, to drop the nugget the hint that he is going to give us some kind of movement on this call for pastoral ministry for women. I'm going to show you here again, what pastoral ministry actually means, because this is the, here we have a, uh, I would call this a, from a, a modernist, but not stridently. So uh, probably looks like website called the priest. This is uh, from a couple of years ago now. Here is, they have, they put this article about pastoral leadership in a, quote, revitalized church. One of the claims of the modernists is that before Vatican II, the church was stagnant, that the laity weren't actively participating. I mean, Pope Pius X addressed the active participation issue by inviting the laity to pray in unity with the priests at the altar. So their, their claim is silly. He also encouraged the laity to sing at the mass with the actual cantors, with the actual scola. But here we see this claim that the church needed revitalizing. Well, before Vatican II, the church was 
building lots of new churches. The churches, the parishes were much more full. And after Vatican II, well, you know the rest. So let's take a look what pastoral ministry is in the eyes of the modernists, because Francis's document is modernist to the core. It says, a glimmer of hope for a new days reflected in the great strides the laity made in active church involvement since Second Vatican Council. Many ministries, once performed by priests and religious women, are now carried out by dedicated lay people serving as catechists, social workers, and liturgical ministries. Their ministries grew out of the great work of priests, deacons, and religious, who were beacons of hope, faithful guiding the church through post-Vatican II turmoil to implement the council's directives to go into the world and proclaim the gospel. Not a lot of that has been going on since the council, but I digress. Francis talks about the need for pastoral ministry for women. This has been reiterated by Vatican II already in a broad sense for laity. And you know as well as I do, if you have ever paid attention to runs most parishes, the parish council of the typical diocesan parish, including a lot of traditional parishes, are staffed predominantly by women. Okay. So what is he talking about here? Again, go back to the blessings document. People say that the church already could offer blessings to anybody who wants one, repentant sinners, whatever. So what was the point of the document unless it was to push the needle, to push to push the boundaries, to push things out more, to normalize the James Martin sin? So too with this. Pastoral ministries already exist. The women run most of the parishes. They do. And now he is pushing the boundaries further. Today, new beacons of light emerge. They include clergy and laity. Fewer in number, more traditional, and make up a committed to revitalizing the church. This happens as faithful lay Catholics sacrifice to meet the challenges of the secular world and enjoy the blessing of faith-filled Catholic homes. Both single and married, they are the crown jewels of the church and our hope for the future. Effective pastoral leadership recognizes internal and external challenges to the contemporary Catholic church. Schisms, political squabbles, theological disputes, weak spiritual leadership, Boy, howdy, is that right? And immorality have occurred within the church throughout history. In addition, a whole bunch of bad things, concerns, threatened the church from without. Yet the church survived and renewed herself, mindful of Christ's words that I am with you always until the end of the age. Similar challenges face the church today. From without, secularism is rampant. As people search for happiness and pleasure, money and prestige rather than in faith. Watching television and surfing the internet reveal a breakdown of moral values. People do not trust their leaders and ask, where can we find the truth? Secular culture is at a tipping point as challenging problems preoccupy the news. A friend recently said, daily it's one of serious issue after another. Can't keep any more with what is happening. And he goes on in this to talk about divisions in the church, yada, yada, yada. Pastoral ministry of the kind that that author is talking about there and the kind that Francis has been talking about have existed already, going back to the council and frankly before. So what is Francis talking about when he talks about uh, lay ministry, pastoral ministry? The challenge from the strident modernist voices in the church in our time, in these days, has been on two fronts. He has already given them what they wanted de facto in that blessings document. The other thing that they wanted are what they call deaconesses which were just nuns, that's what they were, but they have, of course, you know, changed history. They changed what the meaning of words in history. So now what they want are ordained deaconesses, or what I call deaconettes. Now, Francis has said that's impossible, 
He also said it was impossible to bless sin. So there you are. What you're going to see happen probably this year is some kind of document, either from the Synod of Sin or from, from Fernandez or from another dicastery more responsible for that issue that will create a, a ambiguous document about how you will uh, there will be women who will be blessed to have certain leadership roles in the church. The terminology will be ambiguous so that some will say, yeah, they've been ordained. And others say, oh, no, they won't. And then you will see these figures at your typical ordinary foreign parish wearing the vestments. They will look in every way like a priest or a deacon. And here's the thing. You already see a lot of this in some parishes, even moderate sort of Novus Ordo parishes. And I say moderate, you know, the priest isn't, you know, trying to make the, the new mass look as much like the old as possible, but he's not having a clown mass either. He may occasionally preach on the four last things. Otherwise, the homilies are generally inoffensive. Maybe these are good confessors. We're talking about a typical moderate parish. You will still see this there already. You're going to see this formalized. With the one point being that they are trying to push this closer and closer to the ordination question. Francis has said no to many things and then done them anyway later. Amoris Laetitia. Before Amoris Laetitia, as Tim Gordon has expressed many times on his channel, very rightly, that Casper, Cardinal Casper, was pushing for communion for the divorced and remarried many times. Francis had said no before that. And then Amoris Laetitia came out. And then what happened? It was written ambiguously. And then dioceses in Argentina, in fact, I, I would bet that if you went and looked to see who what dioceses those were that implemented the way we now know Morris Letizia, the one that Vatican later said was the proper implementation, that those dioceses, I would bet one of them was now Cardinal Fernandez's diocese. That di we got the more radical interpretation was the correct one. So too it will be when this happens. This is the beginning. This is the drop to let people know this is the first sign that it, uh, this is coming. And he used Mary, the mother of God, for this. I was not happy when I saw this. I'm going to now check the uh, comment, the live chat here. Yes, please give a like if you haven't yet. It would be greatly appreciated. I will tell you right now that this issue, that it's very clear that the point of synodality, because this is all part of that, synodality is like an umbrella term at this point, that is to make the church look more like either the Anglican Communion or the Missouri Synod of Lutherans or the any of the other kind of groups, the Protestant groups, that are decentralized, even though they still kind of have leadership. That's the point of it, except to have a more centralized power. That Ironically, in this way, decentralizing the church, the power, the, you know, putting more power in the hands of laity does result in the pontiff having more and more power because they will look more and more to him, which then means you also have to work, look towards what they're going to be working on for the next conclave. A traditionalist Catholic says he's troubled that a Luther of all people was quoted in a papal document. You should be, you should be concerned by that. We know that Francis had issued a commemorative uh, a commemorative stamp several years ago with Luther and Calvin kneeling at the cross replacing Our Lady and the beloved disciple, or beloved apostle, Luther and Calvin. We know that Francis has a statue of Luther in the Vatican. Think about the implications of that. So, <laughs> Susie asks, are we Methodists now? Uh, 
again, this is where it's moving. Lottie says, every time he drops errors on our Blessed Mother's Day, how long will our Lord allow this to continue? Somebody in the chat look up to see when the next major Marian feast day is. I think there's going to be a while before there's another one. But they're not even have to be major feast days. I know the Annunciation is going to be um, is going to be here in March. That's like three months from now. But there's got to be a, another one coming up soon. Raven Ray says, St. Alphonsus Liguori's classic, The Glories of Mary, has done more for my Marian devotion than any modern garbage. My advent, my, I always advise people to read old books. Dory is saying is correctly saying that Francis is baiting us. We can so he can invoke charges of schism, right? He wants people to give the most strident, nasty responses possible, so that he can then give them, you know, an address sometime in the next few days. Talking about rigid clericalists and in indetrists and all the other weird words he makes up. All right. So how are you feeling about, yeah, MJ says women priests. That is the their end game. Well, that's not their end game. That's like a major, the big one they want. Because once you get priestesses, what happens next? If you have a priestesses, it, just look what happened to the Anglican communion. Priestesses led to, uh, to lady bishops. And in the Catholic Church, if you've got lady bishops, that means lady cardinals. What does a lady cardinal mean? Do the math. How can he claim to how can he claim to care about women when he yeah with the the whole Rupnik mess exposes the lie. But here we are. Kevin McTeegan, do I believe that the consecration was done? No, I don't. I don't. It's not just mentioning that country by name in the consecration. It's mentioning only that country, and they refuse to do that. So no, I don't. This is why things are getting worse and worse. But yes, we now have Francis quoting Martin Luther in a papal decree on Our Lady, where he is also talking about the need for pastoral ministry for women. Not to help women with their various needs, but to actually formalize positions in the church for them. There you go, lady, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Bellator says, more to come before October, which is when the Synod is coming. Droplets and increments of change, inch by inch, mile by now, mile. Yes. And it's actually increasing rapidly either because francis thinks he doesn't have much time left or because he finally has a uh, a capable and fully on board assistant to help him in cardinal fernandez take your pick on which one of those that is i just caution people to not think that the end of the francis reign is coming anytime soon <laughs> all right is there any does anybody have any comments in the chat today can't read your comment, KW, but it is funny. Um, all right. Uh, if there are no more comments, if there are no more questions, then I am going to uh, wrap this up here. I have a lot of things to do this morning. Did I see the... Hold on. Where did that comment go? Did I see the crown? They asked the queen to modernize and she refused. I have not watched the crown. Um, just having that time. Plus, isn't the crown that show on HP? Isn't that a cable drama with a lot of impurity? I tend to stay away from that stuff. Let me know if I'm wrong about that assessment, though, please. It's hard to keep track anymore. Oh, yeah. 
my wife in the chat reminds me that February 2nd is the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a.k.a. the Feast of Candlemas. If you haven't got your blessed candles, if you're someone who is into the three days of darkness stuff, if you haven't gotten your blessed candles, go buy some. You can go on to Amazon if you need to buy 100% beeswax candles, have them delivered, get them to a traditional priest to bless on that feast day. Even if that feast day is like in the middle of the week, though, we'll bless them in the middle of the week. You can come back the next Sunday and pick up your candles. You might want to buy them now. <sighs> Traditional Catholic, uh, sort of. It depends. Like the 1962 calendar had it as just an octave day. Uh, but yeah, in the 54 calendar, it was that feast day. It was one of those that, that was changed along with the uh, Holy Week liturgy. <sighs> All right. I, I tend to uh, Bellator. He says the statue with the story we've been covering the last few days, losing his hand indicates divine chastisement is coming unchangeable at this point. We have free will. I do believe that we have free will and that these things can be averted. It's just that is there a desire to have it averted? Tom Palmieri says that candle mass is on a Friday this year, right? So what you want to do is the Sunday before get those candles to uh, check in with the local traditional parish you, you uh, these are the kind of things I err on the side of uh, the traditional blessings for. Um, get them to them, find out when they're accepting these and when you can pick them back up. <sighs> Forgotten Hollywood says, my wife says the crown started out fine then got depraved. That's, she's more into the like monarchy kind of uh, dramas than I really am, so she would know. And yes, this Saturday is Epiphany. So get your Epiphany salt and observe the day. It's a wonderful day. All right, folks. And I will, uh, much blessings to you, Rizzy. I will uh, be wrapping this up here. Please pray for the church. And um, yeah, this, the, that, that, that sermon just surprised me greatly when I saw it. I mean, I was not expect. I, I was expecting more things for Francis pretty quickly, but not that quickly. That was, that was, that was surprising. <laughs> anyway, folks. Anybody follow up on the 2019 Akita operation? I haven't heard nothing from it. As far as I've heard, she, Sister Agnes has been essentially sequestered away from the rest of the nuns. She's still around, though. She's not even, apparently, she doesn't even live anymore in the uh, convent there in Akita, but they moved her. All right, folks. Stop making idols. What are you mentioning? But what do you mean by that, Rizzy? I'm very curious what you mean by that. So before I wrap this up, uh, give me an answer. What do you mean by that? Because <laughs> uh, I hope you don't mean uh, our, you know, our statues of Our Lady. Because if you actually read your Bible, you know, in the Old Testament, our our Lord told people to told the faithful to craft statues of the angels and things and put them in the temple. And that's what we do. We don't worship statues. <sighs> All right. Our fraternity has you ordered now for February 2nd. Do you are, I'm not sure what you mean by Lepanto, but I'm hoping you get your, uh, your candles blessed at that time. All right, folks, I am going to wrap this up here. Thanks for tuning in today. Yes, it is the hope of surprises, <laughs> I suppose. And yes, uh, may remember Christmas is still going Wait, Please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. 